The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. So it says in uh, Romans chapter number 1, 16 to 17, and this is a little detour that we are taking uh, because of, you know, what Pastor Dave taught last week. He opened a can of gems, diamonds, jewels, and uh, he, man, he just preached a storm. And I, you know, sensed in my heart the Holy Spirit saying uh, we need to just kind of break it down for you to understand some of the words that he was using. One of the things I've learned uh, sometimes uh, uh, as a believer is that sometimes we come to a place where we just start talking to each other in uh, Christianese, and sometimes people have no idea what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And so today we're going to try and break down some of the big words, which are really not big. Uh, you're going to understand them that uh, we used last week, and you'll be able to get some joy from it. Amen. Awesome. The Bible says Roman, in Romans 1, from verse 16 to 17, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, uh, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. Uh, Let us read it together. The just shall live by faith. So the just, the justified in Christ get to live by faith. But it's interesting how the Apostle Paul starts this, you know, passage. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That word gospel is an interesting uh, gospel. And uh, before this particular time, seldom did they use the word gospel because nothing warranted uh, them to use such a big, extravagant word. Uh, actually, the word gospel simply means this, uh, almost or nearly too good to be true news of the kingdom of God. So it's not too good to be true because that means a lie, but it's almost, it's that awesome that, you know, if you listen to it carefully, you would think, man, this is too, almost too good to be true. Is it? Did it really happen for me? And that's where you get all the joy, all the excitement. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul said in the gospel is the power of God. You know, sometimes as a believer, when you're not flowing in the power of God, uh, it is because you don't know the gospel. Sometimes when the joy of the Lord is not flowing uh, through you, it's sometimes because you don't know the gospel. Because if you have some good news, you're going to have a smile on your face. If, you're gonna, if, you, if you heard some good news, you're going to have some dance in your feet. Yeah. Amen? Right. You know, someone once came to this church and, man, you know, I was just having a good time praising the Lord, jumping up and down. And they said to me afterwards, do you have to do all that extra? And I said, man, because I heard the good news. You know, I just can't help it. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when you hear the good news, you just can't help it. But it's, it's interesting because most people have not heard the good news. They haven't heard the good news. They've heard religion. They've heard tradition, they've heard, you know, something uh, that sounds like it's from the Bible, but they haven't heard the good news. In fact, the word good uh, gospel is now used to almost as a tag for anything that's Christian. You know, sometimes there's no good news in it, and they just say it's the gospel music. And you listen to it, and you feel depressed afterwards. Amen? I said amen. But the gospel means the good news. 
Jesus. Amen. And, and, and one of the things that happens, uh, sorry, I'm rumbling, but we're going to get to somewhere. We're going to go somewhere. Amen. One of the reasons why people don't share what they know about Jesus is because they haven't heard the good news. Because what's the first thing you do when you hear good news? You want to pick up the phone and tell somebody. Amen. And when you really understand this good news, not only will the power of God begin to flow for you, but it's the power of God that produces salvation. Now, salvation is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word soteria. Uh, uh, It's not just limited to you escaping hell and going to heaven. Otherwise, if that's all there is, the day you got saved, you should have died and gone to heaven. Salvation is way more than that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, The the word to be saved is also the Greek word sozo, uh, which also means the same as soteria, uh, which means to be delivered. Someone shout, I am delivered. Uh, It means to be made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It means to be healed. You know, part of what you got when you got born again or got saved, got sozoed, was you got healed physically as well, emotionally for some, and uh, spiritually you got healed. Amen? Amen? It also means to be prospered. So there's no thing in the scripture called prosperity gospel. Uh, there's only the gospel, and one of the side effects of the gospel is God prospers you. Amen. We live in a time and a period where, you know, uh, the world likes to brand stuff. Almost everything is branded, including, you know, the, the, the stuff from the Word of God. And this almost happens to me when I travel overseas. People want to give me a brand, and they even ask me what my brand is. Are you a uh, Calvinist? Are you a Manianist? Are you a gospel prosperity preacher? Are you, and I say, I'm just a gospel preacher. I preach the gospel, and it is in the gospel that produces the power power to salvation, the power to be healed, the power to be prospered, the power to be delivered comes from us preaching the good news. All you have to do is to preach the good news. Remember the apostle Paul came back to the church in Galatia and he said, man, who has bewitched you? Because they had gone back to terrible news. They had gone back to tradition. They had gone back to rules and regulations. And he came and he used such a strong word. He said, who has bewitched you to go back to such terrible things when God has given you the good news where you can be delivered and be set free? Amen. So the good news is the power of God unto salvation. And all of this... Man, this is, this is the part that gets you dancing. All of this is available for you free of charge. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to act on it. You don't have to, 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 to do anything. All you have to do is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. So what happened? Why is it such a powerful good news? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 2 from verse 5 to 6. And I want to read this quickly in the New Living Translation. We're going to talk about the three or two, if you will, uh, plus one, uh, legal aspects of our salvation. That will unlock your entire understanding of the epistles of the Apostle Paul. Amen? He says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 2 from verse 5 to 6 in the New Living Translation, he says there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. So there is not multiple ways to God. Your ancestors cannot take you to God. Amen? Uh, Muhammad cannot take you to God. There's only one 
mediator between God and man. And uh, we are told his name. What's his name? Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Verse 6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everybody. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Man, that's awesome. He's saying here that this Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everybody. Now, the minute he said that, he's talking about redemption. And the minute he said to purchase freedom, uh, the understood implication is that you were not free before Jesus came. Amen. And Jesus came to redeem you. That's one of the deep words we use in the church. You know, we say, uh, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord uh, say so. Now, the word redeem uh, in its simplest form just simply means to be bought back, to be purchased. And when you hear the word redeem, uh, uh, the, 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 the other word that goes with it is slavery. You know, he's talking about uh, uh, being bought back out of the system of slavery. Can I get an amen? In fact, let me, let me do this in an illustration. John, would you like to come up? And I'm going to have John, I'm going to have Henry, and I'm going to have uh, Desiree. Just come up, and we're going to have them stand here. Des, you didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> Over here. She's an introvert, but today, she's going to get it. So, this, this was humanity. Uh, 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 we have a Caucasian over here. And we have a, 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 an oriental lady over here. You see, I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> and we have a brother over here. <laughs> Amen? They were all, uh, uh, the Bible uses this word, they were all born in slavery. Let's read Romans six seventeen. It says, uh, thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So it uses this phrase, you were slaves to sin. Now, how did they become slaves to sin? They were born into it. It didn't say you were slaves to sins, plural. It says you were slave to sin, the sin of Adam. What Adam did in the garden plunged the whole humanity into sin. So you were born with a sin nature. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to act crazy to become a sinful person. You were born into it through the seed of Adam. So everybody was born a sinner. And we were slaves. Someone say slaves. Slaves. Now, here's what's interesting about a slave that differs from a worker is that slaves don't get paid. And that's good. That's powerful. Did you know that? Slaves never earn a salary. And what that means is You can't work hard enough out of slavery. This is why works. To think that you can earn your own salvation is a complete crazy idea. Because even if you were the hardest working slave in the slave market, that's not going to earn you any money and you're still going to be a slave come to the end of the year. You may be able to add a few zeros after your, the comma, but the first one is still a zero, so you're still going to get a zero. So you can't work your way out of the slave system. This is why scripture says your own righteousness is as filthy rags before God. You could work hard enough, but it still does not get you out of the sin slave nature. So we needed someone to get, out, get us out of the sin slave market of the enemy. So as it were, and Jesus Christ came 
and he came outside of the system. How did he do that? He was not born from the seed of man. That was critical. The virgin birth was critical. That's why we celebrate the virgin birth. Because if, if he had been born outside of the seed of a man, he would have also been born into the slave market. But he was born by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So he was born outside. And here's the other reason why you can only be saved with someone outside. The, 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 the door out to get out of the slave market only has one handle. And that handle is outside. So it takes someone who's outside of the system to save you. Amen? And so Jesus was born outside, but the enemy didn't give up immediately. When he went into the wilderness, you remember the story? He tried to put him back into the slave system or under his authority by tempting him for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if Jesus had submitted himself, Romans 6.16 says, To whom you uh, yield servants to obey, servants are you to obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, if Jesus had submitted himself to what the enemy was saying, you would have also come here and become a part of the lost gang. But what Jesus did was he did not obey, so he stayed outside. And when he stayed outside, he paid the penalty. He paid the ransom money. Let's read that verse. Some of you need to see it. Let's go and read it. Uh, it says here, uh, for there is one God, First Timothy 2, 5 to 6, there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for who? Everybody. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everybody. He died for the Caucasian, Mulungu. He died for the Oriental. He died for the brother. He died for everybody. But now, everybody that he died for have to respond to... Oh, the colored. Let's get the colored up there. Let's get the colored. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can say Colin. Maybe mixed race. We have died for the See, I'm trying to be nice, man. I'm trying to be nice. So Jesus died for everybody. But here's the deal. After Jesus died for everybody, he came and paid the ransom money. Now it was our turn to put our faith in the payment that was made and say, yes, Lord. Amen. And when you say, yes, Lord, you start to cross over from slavery all the way over here to freedom. So this is why we use the word redeemed or redemption. It simply means we were brought back from under the dominion of sin. Listen, you could never ever act any other way as long as you were in the slave system, except to be a slave to sin. You were under the control of sin. You couldn't help it. And you were, that was true. Not for a believer, though. If you are an unbeliever, you can't help it but sin. It doesn't matter how good you want to act. You know why? Because you're still under the slave to sin system. You're still under the dominion of sin. The Bible uses this word. You still have a sin nature. And so when Jesus redeemed you and you received him as your personal Lord and Savior, you were translated from the kingdom or the system of darkness over here. How many of you got saved? You can move to over here. You can move to, you move to freedom. You move to freedom. Amen? You guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. And when you move to freedom, here's what the, here's what the, the scripture says. When you were moved, when you were redeemed, from, from, from the slave system, 
into, uh, 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 this is what the scripture says in Romans 6, 22 in the Amplified. This is good. Now you get the picture? When someone say, I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Now you know exactly what happened. I was bought back. I was bought from under the curse. Because while we were here, slavery, slavery to sin, sin produces death. And part of death is fear. Part of death is poverty. Part of death is sickness. Part of death is uh, the curse. And you were redeemed from the curse. You are no longer under the system that can move or transfer generational curses. You were when you were still in the slave market. Now you have been set free and your entire genealogy has changed. Now it starts with Jesus. He's your big brother. And God the Father is your father. So I'm no longer just limited to a butai and what the butai can deliver to me. I'm now saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and my Father is God. And I receive an inheritance from the Father. Someone shout, I'm redeemed. It says in Romans 6.22, do we have it in the Amplified? It says, but now, since you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God. The word there for slaves is born servants. He says, now, since you have become born servants, and the understood implication is that, since you have become willing slaves. See, because God does not force you to receive salvation. He offers it to you, and you willingly become his born servant. It's a choice. Amen? Amen. Since you have become the slaves of God, You have your present reward in holiness and its end in eternal life. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 3 from verse 13 to 14. So the result of uh, making a choice to be saved is holiness and sanctification. If you're taking down notes, you can write this down. Living right is a byproduct of our redemption. Living right is not the root of our redemption. You didn't live right to get out of the slave system. Did you see that? Now that you are free, you can live free. This is why the Apostle Paul, he would start all of his letters teaching about grace, you know, in the book of Romans. And as he gets to about Romans chapter number 12, all the way through to Romans 16, he's now teaching you how to live as a free man. And some people confuse that as legalism. He's not getting into legalism. He didn't start with grace and now going into legalism. He started with grace and now he's just teaching you how to live as a free man. How many of you know that after years and years and years of being uh, a slave in the slave system, sometimes you need somebody to teach you to start living as a free man? I think it was Jack Ma in 2012. uh, When they started Alibaba, they would pay people with, you know, half their salary and the other half they would use uh, what they call restricted shares. And in 2013, uh, they went public and they, you know, paid out a lot of money to these people as restricted shares. And almost half the company became instant millionaires. I mean, cleaners were becoming millionaires and crazy things was happening at Alibaba. And this is what Jack Ma did. He hired people from outside, counselors and psychologists, to come and train these people how to live as a millionaire. He said, you can be a millionaire who comes back to work on Monday. He says, you can be a millionaire who knows how to faithfully steward the millions that have been deposited into your account. Because if you don't know how to live as a millionaire, you'll go crazy. 
I mean, we gave people free money back home, and people got free money from, you know, what, anyway, it's a long story, but people were going crazy. After they got the free money, people were doing crazy things. They'd walk into a bar and say, whatever you're holding is on me. <laughs> and before one month, they'd gone broke. What happened? They didn't know how to live as free men. So they had to be taught. And the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, now that you've been set free, do not abuse your liberties. So being set free without works does not mean that we can go on and just do whatever we want. It means now we have been empowered to live above sin. God does not change the way he relates with us based on our performance. God loves us, watch this, unconditionally. God does not look at what you do and say, okay, I'm going to love you to the level of how you perform. No, God loves you unconditionally. It's called agape. Amen? Amen? But as long as you're still on the earth, your boss may not love you unconditionally. Your boss may want some. This is why we have a performance review at the end of the month. Amen? Uh, your wife or your husband may not love you. They may try, but they may not love. I mean, you can't run around on them and act the fool and expect to still be married after that craziness. So sin is stupid. That's what I'm trying to say. Sin will open a door for the enemy to come into your life and cause problems. And he does not come legally because no one will give him that legal right to come into your life and cause problems. But stuff will just begin to happen that gives Satan an opportunity to destroy your life. Amen? Because, I mean, now you have this woman pregnant. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the right, you have your wife. Or you are the wife who got pregnant. And the dude had uh, daxectomy. What is it called? That little thing with dissect Two years ago. Now you're going to have to explain that. They may not love you unconditionally. And what you have done is you have opened up a door for the enemy to come and cause problems in your life. God will still love you unconditionally. You will still go to heaven. But your kids may think you are a crazy knucklehead. And you will lose your influence with them. What are you doing? You're giving an opportunity to the enemy to come and cause problems in your life. So this by no means is not a license to sin. It's a freedom from sin. Now we have power over sin. Now we can no longer be controlled by the desires of the flesh. Now the chocolate cake can't wake me up at 11 p.m. and tell me what to do. I have authority over it. Now I can walk past a donut shop. Man, I'm still believing God for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now if I eat, I can't blame it on the sin nature. Meanwhile, while I was here, I could blame it to the sin nature because I was helpless. But while I'm over here, I have authority. I can say no to the glazed one. You know the glazed one? With sprinkles on it. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help a brother out. <laughs> and I need some prayer on that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we're we all growing. Amen? We, we're trying. We're all, we're all trying, man. It says in Galatians 3, from verse 13 to 14. Let me read it in there. Amplified. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Christ has redeemed us. Or Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law. And it's condemnation. 
by himself becoming a curse for us, for it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree and is crucified. So Jesus Christ, while he was on the tree, he became the curse for us so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham. Watch what it says in the next verse. To the end that through they are receiving Christ Jesus. So this is your first part into freedom. You have to receive Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. As you receive Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the... Next verse. Promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. So now we have been delivered from the curse of the law. When you come over here into freedom, there are no generational curses to fight. When you are over here into the freedom of Christ, you don't have to go to a generational curse, deliverance, sermon, or or deliverance all night to try and get these curses off of you. No, they were already put on Jesus when he hung on the tree. Man, you see, sometimes you come over here and you're still shadow boxing because there's really no one to fight. But because it sounds religious... And it's been done in the church for many, many years. We also join in in the shadow boxing. No, the curses have been removed. Now you're operating in the blessing. Now you are empowered to prosper. Now the spirits of your ancestors can't get on you. You know why? Because they, they are only limited to operating in the slave system. They do not operate over here. They have no legal right and jurisdiction to operate in the life of a free man. I am free. Amen? Man, you are a free man. Let's go to another concept. Uh, 1 John chapter number 2, verse 2. This is awesome. 1 John 2, verse 2. It's talking about Jesus. And he says, he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, when you hear that word propitiation, what comes to mind is like, what are you talking about? The Bible is hard to understand. This is such a simple word, you know, because many people believe that when we teach on the grace of God, we are saying that God just looked at sin and just kind of swept it under the rug, under the carpet. You know, he just kind of, uh, you know, now you're free and he just did things back door. No, God didn't do that. You know why? Because God is a just God. There had to be something done about sin, singular, about what Adam did. It had to be reversed. And that word propitiation simply means our atoning sacrifice or our payment. So here's what happened. The God of love, who is also a just God, looked at mankind and looked at what Adam had done, and he declared all of us guilty because there was sin in action. And something needed to be done. You know, it's like if I was caught doing a, a 160 on a 60-kilometer zone, and, and uh, you know, they take you to court straight up. If, if you're doing above 30, you know, of, uh, don't ask me how I know that. They'll take you straight to court. They don't write you a ticket. You're going straight to court. So if I was caught doing 160 on a 60 zone, which is about 100 kilometers an hour above the speed limit, they'll take me straight to court. Now, let's say I'm, uh, you know, I go to court on Monday morning, and then as I walk into the court, I see one of my church members at the court as the judge. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today is my day. 
How many of you know that as long as they are sitting in front in the judge's uh, uh, table, in the judge's uh, uh, authority, they have to execute judgment uh, impartially. That's the word. They have to execute judgment without any show of favoritism. Even though they are, we go to the same church, we go to the same life group, they have been to my house for a bride before, as long as they are sitting in the authority of the government, their job is to execute uh, a judgment uh, uh, based on the constitution. So even though they know me, how many of you know that if they are just judged, they're going to declare guilty? But here's what propitiation looks like. After God declared all of us guilty, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. God declared all of us guilty, but he turned around and took off his uh, 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 judge's robe and came around and he stood next to us as a citizen, not as a judge anymore. He became man. Jesus the Christ, God himself became man and came and joined us in this struggle and said, you know what, I've declared you guilty and the price or the penalty for your, for your sin is death. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come around and pay for the penalty myself. So that you can be, here's the third word, justified. So that you can be justified. So that you can be made as if you have not sinned before. And so he came round and he joined us as a citizen and died on the cross so that we could be propitiated or justified. And he did this because he loved us. Let me show you another verse. Let's go to 1 John chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 10. This concept was introduced in the Old Testament uh, through animal sacrifices. That every time you sin, the wages of sin is death. Every time you sin... You were supposed to die, but God in, God in his mercy and his love, he said, I don't want you to die, but you know what you can do? You can bring an animal in your place. A perfect animal. It has to be perfect. You can't bring a blind one. You can't bring one with three legs. It has to be a perfect sacrifice, a turtle dove. For some, you have to do this annually because the truth of the matter is, I don't want to kill you. I don't want you dead. I want you alive. So I'm going to give you this, 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 this method or this, this thing that you can do to make sure that I roll over your sins to the next year, keeping my eyes on the perfect sacrifice that's going to come in the New Testament, Jesus the Christ. So in the Old Testament, if you sinned, you know, you would bring an animal sacrifice and then the priest would lay his hands on it and transfer all your sins onto the animal. It's interesting that every time you'd bring the animal sacrifice, the priest would never inspect the person who brought the sacrifice. You would always inspect the sacrifice. It's the same principle God uses in the New Testament. He's not inspecting you to justify you. Because if he was, you and I would be in a total mess. He inspects the sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ, he was, watch this, completely pleased. His wrath was appeased. He was completely satisfied. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, Jesus took our punishment upon his body. And if you read 52, verse 14, he says, when he took that punishment, his face or his body did not look like that of a human being because it was the punishment of the entire world. So Jesus took the punishment of sin on his body. There is zero punishment coming from God for your sins. Did you hear that? God is not mad at you. God is pleased with you. You know why? Because he looks at you through what Jesus did on the cross. Someone shout, I am glad. (laughs) Man, that's good news. Some of you would like for God 
to inspect you through your actions because you think you're so holy. But here is God's standard. God's standard says this. It says if you look at your brother hatefully, you've already committed murder. I mean, God's standard is way too high. Do you know what it says, ladies, God's standard? It says if you look at uh, Brad Pitt, is Brad Pitt still the Brad Pitt? Denzel Washington. If you look at Denzel Washington and you think he's a what thing, you've already committed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, God's standard is so high. If you think it, you think, you know, as long as I don't touch, you know, I'm still holy. No, God says if you think it, it's over. (laughs) Amen. So none of us could ever meet God's standards. This is what I'm trying to, uh, to get you to see. None of us could meet God's standard. And the law, you know, some of you think the law was given for you to keep it. It was never given for you to keep it. It was given for you to realize that you couldn't keep it so that you'd start despairing. And when you start despairing, you'd realize your need for a savior. And then Jesus all of a sudden becomes relevant to you. Man, if you think you're so good, you know, pastor, I've built hospitals, you know, I'm morally right and so on and so forth, it still doesn't cut it. The only sacrifice that God looked at and was pleased and it appeased his wrath was Jesus the Christ. And God is no longer mad at you. So when you make a mistake and the enemy tries to whisper to you, uh, this, that's happening to your life is because of the mistake that you uh, made last week and God is repaying you for your mistake. That's not true. God, in fact, God operates according to karma. You know, what you saw comes back, except what's coming back for you does not come back to you. It goes to Jesus. So you are never the recipient of God's wrath. It all went to Jesus. Amen. That's good. Amen. amen. I said amen. Amen. Watch what it says in 1 John 4, verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. Is this helping you? Man, the next time you say, I'm redeemed, man, you should have a vivid picture of you walking out of slavery into freedom. The next time you say, Jesus is our propitiation, you should see God taking the gavel and hitting the the hammer down in the court of heaven and declaring you righteous. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus Christ did. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 5.21, it says Jesus Christ became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I said amen. amen. 1 John 4, verse 10 in the Amplified. It says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation That is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin, placating his wrath. Did you see that? It says he fulfilled God's requirement for justice against sin, placating his wrath. So this dealt with God's wrath. All of God's wrath was poured, all of the integrity and the demands of the law was poured on Jesus when he was on the cross. Stroke after stroke. And when he said these words, it is finished. It meant the entire wrath of God had been appeased and God is no longer. In fact, John declared when Jesus was walking down the street, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. He took away the sins of the entire world as being the perfect sacrifice on the cross. 
So sin is no longer an issue with God, between God and you. God does not relate to you based on sin. He has already declared you righteous. And here's another truth that's awesome with that, that comes with that. What that means is, you know, you no longer have to be under the control of sin. You can now operate outside of the dominion of sin. Now you can be a free man. Now you can have a relationship with God without any sense of guilt, without any sense of inferiority, without any feeling of condemnation. You know why? Because Jesus made you right in the eyes of God and God declared not guilty. Watch what it says in Hebrews 4.16 as we close. Thank you, Jesus. This is now what we can do because of what Jesus did on the cross. He says, let us then do what? I didn't hear that. Let us then what? See, the Old Testament saints couldn't do this. They couldn't go into the presence of God fearlessly. Because if you went any kind of way, in fact, this was the requirements for the Levites who would go in and represent the people in the Holy of Holies. Uh, They needed to be of a certain height. Their nose needed to be pointed in a certain direction. Their tone, their temperature, uh, uh, color, tone needed to be of a certain, uh, uh, they couldn't have a pimple on their skin. You couldn't sweat in the presence of God. Otherwise, the holiness of God would strike you dead. In fact, as the priest would go in to offer the sacrifices, they would tie a a rope on their leg because many of them would not make it outside. So they went in with fear and trembling. I'm not talking about reverence. I'm talking about fright. They went in fearfully. But now in the New Testament, because of what Jesus did, we can go in, watch this, fearlessly. Someone say, I'm fearless fearless. (laughs) in my relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Man, you can now approach God fearlessly and, watch this, confidently and boldly. The reason we don't have a lot of bold Christians is because they have not heard the gospel. One of the side effects of hearing the gospel is boldness in my relationship with God. When I make sin, when I, when I fall short or whatever, and I shout at my kids and I feel bad about it, and I, oh, Lord, I'm a, I'm a dirty thing. And by the way, I'm not preaching this to try and cover my tracks. I live holier than most people I know. But here's the deal. My holiness is not what gives me the right to approach God. It is Jesus' holiness. Amen. Man, sometimes I feel bad. You know, I shouted at the kids and, man, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this gives me great joy to know that God is not judging me for that. God can still receive me in his presence and I can still go in fearlessly, confidently, and boldly. Let us draw near to the throne of what? Grace. The throne of God's unmerited, unearned favor to us who sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it and i have to quit because i'm out of time why don't you stand on your feet someone shout i'm free thank you jesus thank you jesus Thank you, Lord. You may be here and you're saying, hey, Pastor T, I didn't know all of this. I didn't know that we go to God through what Jesus did on the cross. I thought I needed to earn it. 
And because of that, I've been working outside in the slave market of the enemy. And today, I want to choose to give my trust and put my confidence in Jesus as the perfect sacrifice for my eternal redemption. I want to give my life to Jesus. And if you are that person, we want to help you this morning. It doesn't take you keeping the law. It doesn't take you being a good person. It takes you putting your confidence and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And if you are that person, we want to pray with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God whom God sent, who died for us on the cross and was raised up on the third day, if you just believe and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You shall be set free. You shall be prospered. You shall be healed. You shall be delivered. You shall be translated from the slave market to freedom. If you are that person, we want to pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We are all saved. We all put our confidence and trust in Jesus. And we thank God for that. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. This was just a timely reminder for all of us to know that Jesus is our salvation. Not our own effort. Amen. Not the little extra book that the old church that you used to go to edit to the Bible. Not the extra rules and regulations. You have to cut your hair this way. You have to uh, have a, 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 the, your clothes this length. You have to do this and do that and pray three times a day looking in this direction. That doesn't matter. All that matters is if you put your confidence and trust in God's one and only begotten Son, His only way to justification, His only way to setting people free and declare them free in the court of heaven, Jesus the Christ. And when you have, you can live free from any guilt, any condemnation. You can be bold in what God calls you to do. Amen? Because it's not in your own effort. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.